You're listening to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour Podcast with your host, Brett Matthijs. I'm almost a little bit ashamed to bring this up just because my pure obliviousness to the whole scenario. But when I first moved to Rapid and heard the Rapid City Rush, I didn't get the name. It never like, I never connected the dots in my own head, like why we're called the Rush. And I didn't like it. And then one day someone sat me down and explained it to me. And then from that day on, I was like, oh, that makes a ton of sense. And I like it a lot. So can, for people who maybe have not connected the dots, can you walk us through why we're the rush? Yeah, sure. So um, I think the interesting piece of this is like from an outsider, and I've been here about a month and a half now, but from an outsider, I always thought it had 100% to do with Mount Rushmore, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rushmore. Rush. Get it. Duh. Done. Um, But I guess as I've learned a little bit more throughout it, um, rush is also a hockey term where you're on the offensive rush. That's what I always thought it was. That was where I was at. And so it's it's kind of a three-pronged effect. There's Mount Rushmore. There's uh, the hockey rush, you know, uh, which is a a, a hockey term. And then obviously there's the gold rush that happened here um, uh, back in the 1800s. And so like if if I kind of look through all those spectrums, I think it's it's kind of a perfect name for this community in this area. Um, and, and, And just looking at again as an outsider now being in it and involved i love the logos i love the look i think it's cool i think it's clean i think it's fun and um as i looked at it even from a from a perspective of another spot and another team um i always was very impressed by the logo and the look and the feel and i think it's really really cool it does it's clean it is like you said it's clean it's very simple um but then after they're like oh yeah it's it's the rush the gold rush i was like that oh that's why the mascot's name is nugget and we have digger the mascot and the lady miners are are the cheerleaders it's like oh that i can't believe i didn't notice that yeah i mean i <laughs> i kind of had some of the same uh, thoughts back in the day when i when i first heard the name but I, like i said i always associated it with mount rushmore i'm like oh yeah duh I'm, I'm an idiot if i don't think that's the case but um yeah no i think uh i think it's a cool name and i think uh i i'm, I'm really um uh, excited about the things that we can do with that name and that logo and and all the different things that uh, moving forward we can uh, integrate into the history of the team yeah for sure so before we get too far in depth i'll have you introduce yourself your title and how you got here okay uh my name is todd mackin i'm the new president of the rapid city rush um how i got here i, I worked uh in the nfl for about nine years i worked with three different teams in the nfl um the final one was the uh, Kansas city chiefs um, and as I was working with the Kansas City Chiefs, I did a lot of different things. But um, and, and throughout the NFL, I, I sold a lot of things, tickets, suites, corporate sponsorships. Uh, Lamar Hunt Jr., one of the owners of the Chiefs, ended up buying uh, a double-A hockey team uh, in the ECHL, which is the same league that the Rapid City Rush are in. Uh, and he uh, wanted someone to come over and kind of uh, fix the business side of things, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, with the Mavericks. And, and that was uh, kind of me to help uh, grow our corporate numbers, grow our season ticket numbers, do a lot of different things there. Uh, and so I took a role uh, over there and, and, and became their executive vice president uh, and kind of ran the day-to-day business operations underneath uh, our president and general manager uh, with, the, with the Mavericks, uh, Brent Thiessen, who is an amazing uh, asset to our league and, and a great kind of mentor on a, a lot of things uh, in the ECHL. Uh, and uh, most recently, uh, a group from uh, North Carolina Spire Sports and Entertainment uh, has purchased a portion of the, of the rush. And, um, you know, I got uh, in connection with, with the ownership group uh, and, and kind of walked down a, a road of uh, what it would look like for me to transition from Kansas City to Rapid City. And uh, it all worked out. And, and here I am. 
Awesome, for sure. So you touched on a little bit that the rusher in the ECHL, for people who are unfamiliar with hockey in general, more that they're football fans or basketball or baseball fans, can we walk through the different leagues that make up professional hockey in the United States? Okay. Professional hockey um, is basically three, four leagues. Um, The SPHL, which is the Southern Professional um, Hockey League, and that's, that's basically considered single A. Uh, the ECHL, which is double A, which is what we are in, triple um, A, which is the AHL, the American League, and then obviously the NHL, where uh, where we're trying to get guys to. Um, there's also hockey's an interesting sport because there's also a lot of juniors programs um, that sometimes can make up some of the better players even than than the professional ranks. Um, kind of like you would see with with college basketball or college football, it's kind of a breeding ground for uh, the next top level talent. Um, and those those uh, kind of are more of a North American style league, and, and even the ECHL has uh, two teams in Canada, so um, it's a lot more North American. Um, but the the USHL, the OHL, the WHL, those are all, and then even if you go down a little bit to your North American Hockey League and some of those things. So the junior style of things is, is a very different piece of the the puzzle as well, uh, where you might see a lot of guys drafted from teams um, in in those juniors leagues, and then either assigned to a team like the Rush or uh, the American League team or, or an NHL team through that. Okay, for sure. So you said like they would draft someone in juniors or a lot of times right out of high school um, with hockey, and then uh, they would assign them to their affiliated team mm-hmm. if you're the NHL team. So, for example, I'm from Minnesota, so I have to take the Wild, for example. So the Wild signs someone or drafts somebody, and then they drop them down to their affiliate, for lack of a better term. Can you explain that affiliation between the three leagues? Yeah, so for for the most part, there's no SPHL, so no single A teams that are affiliated currently. Um, but they are a, a good opportunity for the ECHL to move people up when they get people moved up to AAA or or the NHL. Um, okay, so uh, most teams in the ECHL are affiliated currently. Um, I think uh, of the 27 teams last year, 25 of them were. Um, and and I think the goal is for our league to have every team affiliated. Um, I know we had uh, here in Rapid City had a, a couple struggles two years ago with with the Minnesota Wild and and so took a year off of that affiliation process and and and, and are definitely like kind of regrouping through that. Um, but how that works is is teams will draft players. They want to develop them just like you would think in, in minor league baseball. And a lot of them will be younger guys or some of them are just, you know, uh, just getting out of college and, and just need to learn how to be a professional or whatever that looks like. And then they'll be assigned either to the American Hockey League team or to um, the ECHL. And uh, from there, our goal is, one, to develop them as a, as a professional and a person and also develop them as a player and get them to the next level. And, uh, and, and I think that's a league-wide goal. Now, while that is also one of our main focuses, we also need to make sure that we're winning hockey games throughout. So um, winning hockey games, developing the players as, as a person and as a, as a professional hockey player um, are, are very, very important to us through an affiliation. Yeah, for sure. So looking at it, let's take first, let's start from the Rush's perspective uh, or an ECHL team, whoever um, we want to go and say, what is the benefit of having an affiliation if you're in the ECHL and what is the downside if you're in the ECHL? And then we'll look at the NHL team's upsides and downsides next. Yeah. So um, with, okay, the benefit is that you get top level talent. Right. And um, you get high level draft picks. Uh, A lot of times, you know, when I was in Kansas City, we had two first round draft pick goaltenders. I mean, you can't find that kind of talent. Right. 
um, and, and, and you wouldn't be able to sign them. Um, so you can get a lot of top-level talent, and, and also you can tell a lot of success stories, which is fun too, right? Like this guy played here in Rapid City, and now he's playing for the Wild. Or this guy played here. And I believe I, I talked with uh, Mark Benetti. I think we have had five guys play for the Rush that are now in the NHL or have played in the NHL or kind of graduated there, which is, which is a great story. And that's kind of the goal of this league is to develop players and get them to the next level. Uh, so, so that's the benefit of having an affiliate. Um, there's other, there's other uh, benefits that, like, uh, for example, if we want to sign a guy, but he needs, he wants to be on a two-way deal, which would be the American League and us, then we can work with our affiliate to help sign that player, um, and, and then we'd have the rights to them. So it would just come back and forth between just the two of us. Other teams wouldn't be able to jump in that. Uh, the negatives of it is sometimes uh, there are busts and oh, draft picks, and, and it's like, Hey, we signed this guy to a three-year deal. He's not good enough to play in the NHL. He's not good enough to play in the American League, and and uh, and we just need to push him off somewhere. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to play. He's just like finishing out his contract, right? And you can get a guy that maybe we we turn around and turn into a guy that that fulfills his talent, or he can be kind of a cancer in your locker room and a malcontent and all those things. That's that's negative number one. Negative number two is you're kind of at the mercy of your affiliate, right? So um, while they want you to win hockey games, they want to win games more. So if the NHL team has a couple injuries, then boom, they're going to pull from the AHL team and they're going to move up. Then AHL is going to come down to us and say, sorry, now we need those guys, right? So, so where, if, if that happens, the, the double pull, where do you pull from to fill roster spot, that empty roster spot where the guy got moved up? You'd either need to make uh, trades or you'd have to go down to the SPHL, which is the Southern Professional Hockey League, to bring guys in there. Uh, towards the end of the season, you have an opportunity to bring in some amateurs once their college season's over, so you can fulfill some of that through there. But, it, it, you know, you have to be very diligent in your roster. Um, you know, injuries are the toughest piece of it, and that's where, you know, fans can kind of get disappointed and, and upset when you're losing uh, multiple players at a time. Um, but really, we have to understand what our role is in the, in the hockey landscape, and, and that is to develop players and get them to the next level. So whether it's an injury that gets a guy called up or his play, um, we need to be celebrating those things, and and those are the that's that's how we we've got to kind of recondition our fan base that it's a good thing when players get called up. We want these men to go to the NHL. We want to see them succeeding. We want to be a piece of their story. Um, and 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 while while we're doing that, we need to be a big part of trying to win hockey games. Right while they're here, we need to use them as best as we can within our systems and within our affiliate systems to get better. Yeah, I think you like hit the nail right on the head. Is is a lot of people would be bummed. It's like oh whoever got called up I, that he was my favorite player it's like that's a bummer i don't get to watch him in rapid city anymore but really it's a good thing and mm-hmm. we should be viewing it as a good thing all right so rotating over to nhl upsides of affiliates and downsides i know there's going to be some intertwinement between those two um, but is there anything different with the nhl team having an affiliate in the ahl and the echl well every um there, there definitely needs to be um, they need to have some opportunities for an affiliate as far as an NHL club is concerned um, because otherwise you're just having guys sit and not play right and that's the worst thing for a young player is just to sit there right you want to make sure they're getting out and uh, and playing and playing with 
you know, talent and similar to theirs. So most NHL teams will focus really, really hard on making sure they have a AAA affiliate. Now, um, sometimes you have to start placing some guys different places and doing different things. Um, but I think every NHL program would tell you that having an AHL affiliate is a must for them, right? Um, the, the, the interesting piece about the ECHL versus the American Hockey League is the American Hockey League, a lot of those American Hockey League teams are owned by the NHL team. So, for example, if, you know, Calgary um, owns the team in Stockton, California, which is just to make sure that their guys are playing and developing and they don't care if they win or lose. They don't care if people are coming to their games. They don't care if their promotions are fun. They don't care. They don't care. They just want it to be a place where these guys can play. It's like a negative $4 million budget line item for them. They don't even care, right? Yep. The ECHL is let's call it 90% owned by individual ownership groups, right? And so those guys don't want to have a team that they're just losing, you know, $4 million on. It can't yes, be a exactly. line item for them. So they have to, they, they want to fill the stands. They want to have promotions. They want to run it like a business to make money. And so, you know, where the NHL teams look at it, they're, you know, a lot of times they're like, no, go play my guy. That's what I want you to do. That's why you're our affiliate. Sometimes the teams will say, sorry, he's not good enough and we're not winning. We need people here, right? So it's it's kind of that's where the negativity can come down from the the National Hockey League. It's just like we don't we don't understand your business model. We don't we don't care if you make money. We want you to play our guy and we want him to get better. And that's that's the point of what we see you as a double A hockey side. Well, ownership in our league sees us as, hey, this is a, a cool thing to own and it's fun and we make money and you know did it you know right, right down the line so there's sometimes a kind of a butting of head of what what exactly our league is um which i think is is a little bit of an identity crisis that, that we kind of got to fix um from the top down um but i think we've been doing a really really good good job the new commissioner of the league is a forward-thinking guy he's young he's uh he's excited and, and i i really think he's doing a lot of the things to um, really sustain and, and make uh, minor league hockey um, kind of fit like the major league major league baseball does with their minor league uh, teams. So um, you know, educating and informing uh, fan bases is a huge piece of that, right? You know, and, and the Rapid City Rush at one point were in the Central Hockey League prior to moving to the ECHL. The Central Hockey League was. Uh, for lack of a better term, where players went to finish out their career, right? So they were older, they had families, they were putting in roots, they wanted to continue to play the sport with their buddies, and and so they just kind of like finished wherever, which is great for fans because they're willing to go do all these things. They're mature. They're you know like they, they go have four or five beers the night before. It doesn't yep. matter. Like they just they're just like out in the community and did a lot of things right. And a lot of kids started there too. So you had the veteran leadership, and then you had some some young people as well. But um, you know this league is different. Like these guys are coming to play hockey. They want to get to the next level. If they're not getting to the next level, they're disappointed. So there's a lot, a lot more, um, you know, massaging of egos and doing different things that that you didn't have to do in the Central League. Yeah, for sure. And you touched on it a little bit uh, that the Rush did have like a, a affiliation with the Wild for a year. Um, was there any other affiliates that we had that you know of? I know you're new, so if I question you on stuff that you don't know, <laughs> that's okay. But any other affiliates that we had? We were with the Coyotes for two years prior to that, so um, we were affiliated for three straight years. Um, and this year was the first year in the ECHL we were not. Okay, for sure. Um, if if I if you can't tell me this, let me know. And if I ever ask anything that is like you can't spill the beans on, please let me know. But is there potential that the Rush will have an affiliation for this next season? Uh, we are working on it. 
um, and and uh, pretty diligently. I think the the key to us is, and and I've been in situations where we've had great affiliations, and I've been in ones that have not been so great. And uh, at this point, I would prefer uh, we made some some fun trades at the end of last year and got better and younger and faster and, and have a, a good core group back that I think we're uh, you know at least in in our office we're really excited about, and in the hockey ops office we're really excited about. Hopefully, our fan base is as well. Um, we're not going to just jump into something to jump into something. So it's got to be the right fit. Um, have we had talks? Of course. Are we still having talks? Yes. Um, and, and I think it's something that we're, we're definitely going to dive into with both feet and try to find the right fit. Um, I, I don't feel comfortable saying anybody because nothing has gotten to the point where we're, where we're uh, confident that it's going to happen with a certain team. Yeah. Um, if, and if I had to put percentage on it, I'd put it 50-50. I know that's, that's a pretty <laughs> weak way to say it, but, but I, I am not going to put our team or our uh, coaching staff in a situation that's not going to be beneficial for us to win hockey games uh, going into next year. I'm also not going to jump back and forth. So I don't want to be like affiliated this year, unaffiliated next year. I'm going to find the right fit. And we're gonna we're gonna work on an agreement that that hopefully is a long-standing agreement for um, our team and this community. That's smart. It's not just getting married to get married. You right? Yeah, sounds good. I mean, we can't like it's just like you know when when two years ago and I, again I wasn't here, but you know they ended the season. It was a tough affiliation year with the the Wild because of a lot of call ups and injuries and you know whatever the situation was. I, again, I wasn't here, um, and so we made this big thing saying no, we're going unaffiliated because it'll help us win hockey games, right? And um, you know while we played better this last year, it wasn't good enough. Uh, we didn't make the playoffs. We you know finished I think twenty. Second, twenty-third out of twenty-seven teams in our league, uh, as far as points are concerned, uh, we had a great stretch towards the end of the year and an exciting, you know, leading lead into next year. Um, we can't keep flip-flopping to our fan base on what that looks like, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. like, hey, you know, if we're going to tell you that it's we're better to be not affiliated, maybe we were right after that year with the Wild. Now. I look at it and I think if you want to have top line, top notch scorers, you have to go that direction. Um, but you can still win hockey games and be unaffiliated and do some things really the right way. I've seen it done and I've seen it done with a lot of success. So you know we are we are definitely and 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 when I say we're unaffiliated, the the interesting piece of that that I don't think our fans know is when you are unaffiliated, your players are fair game, fair game to every team in the American Hockey League. Oh really? So, so any team can now come puck. So, for example, we had Adam Carlson, our goaltender. He got called up by Milwaukee, which yeah, is a couple times, a couple right? Times, yeah. right? Which so so there, there's we had no control over that. If he came back down, he could have been called up to Hershey the next day, or he could have been called up, gone to Austin and played for the Texas Stars. He could have gone anywhere. They needed a good goaltender, yeah. and and obviously we're not going to stop that. Like we want that for him. Um, but when you're affiliated, if Adam Carlson was affiliated, and let's just take Milwaukee, for example, he would have gone up and down to Milwaukee based on whether there was injuries there or if there was a player that wasn't playing good enough and he got called up, that player would have been then assigned back to us. So we wouldn't have been missing that hole there. Oh, so okay. so it's, it's, it, there's a lot of benefit to that. So you know, if we have players and we have great players on our team and they're just getting plucked left and right by every team in the American League, there's nothing we can really do about that. Man, that's interesting. I had no idea that was it was fair game. So mm-hmm. from a player's perspective, are they more likely to like that on affiliations because they can go wherever, whoever, like for a goaltender, for example, he can go wherever? Or does he more would like to be within a system of an affiliation? 
I would say, and I can't speak for players, but I would say that 99% of them would prefer to be in an affiliation uh, agreement because um, that team has kind of put an emphasis on you, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, the reason why Adam was getting called up a lot to Milwaukee is they didn't have a double A affiliate. So, you know, he was kind of a good person for them, right? Well, let's take the Mavericks, for example, because I know them. You know, they're affiliated with Stockton. Like, they aren't gonna, they're going to take the Stockton guy 100 times out of 100 before they take another guy outside the system. Oh, okay. And then yep. even then when you get called there, you're probably not going to get to play. Like They're going to play other people over you. So it's it's it, you want to be within a system where the organization has faith in you, where their goalie coach is coming down and working with you, where their, you know, their assistant coaches or assistant GM are coming and watching you, and their scouting directors and all those things. You want to be in a system where you feel like this is your trajectory with that group. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about you and how you got to the rush. Hey guys and gals, it's Brett Matice, the host of the Midwest Marketing Podcast. I need you to do me a favor really, really quick. I promise you it won't take long. However you're listening to this here podcast, go on to iTunes, Stitcher, maybe you're just on our website, whatever it is, go give us a five-star rating. See those stars? There's going to be five of them. Just go to the one furthest on the right-hand side. Click that one. Maybe write a few quick nice words about us. Unless you don't like us very much, then don't write anything at all. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Let's get back to listening. All right, so like we mentioned, you're brand new. You're like a month and a half, right? At the time this is recorded because this will be recorded and then played later. So a month and a half right now. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit? I know you touched on it right away, but can you tell us a little bit how you got here, where you're initially from, and then your experience with the Mavericks as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I grew up in Kansas City, uh, but I, I spent some time in Wheatland, Wyoming, and Vernal, Utah, and then in Minneapolis uh, for about two year stretches until I got to about seven years old. And then I was in Kansas City um, until I went to college. And then I went to college uh, in Northwest Missouri State, got my master's at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, uh, and then kind of went out on. on a little bit. I, I actually ran a youth sports league for a couple of years as their executive director, and then went and worked in New York, uh, then worked in Chicago, then back to Kansas City. So I kind of took a took a. I got to get out of this town, and then and mm-hmm. then found my way back, which was fun. Um, and then worked for the Chiefs for a while, and then and then kind of came over to the Mavericks, which is kind of more uh, pertinent to where I'm at now. Um, you know, I I, I kind of looked at the, when I was with the Chiefs and, and when the opportunity presented itself for to work for, and they were in the Central League at the time, but came, the opportunity to work for a double-A hockey team, I just kind of looked at it and said, you know, am I having fun in sports, right? And at that time, I maybe wasn't. Um, do I think I'll be able to be the president of the Kansas City Chiefs? Whew, that's a tough task, right? I'm looking and there's 10 guys that are standing here that are very capable, smart, sharp guys. Um, you know, a lot of the presidents in the NFL or even in, in major league sports in general um, are, you know, ex-players or ex-coaches or they're part of the family, right? And and then the other ones all went to like Yale and Harvard, and, you know, like, so it's kind of trying to figure out where you fit in in that realm. And I just decided that I wanted to have more fun in sports and get more engaged and be involved a lot in a lot more areas, uh, which the Mavericks presented themselves for me. So I got in there, um, you know, we, our main focus was to grow revenue and, uh, and that was my whole goal. And that's been my kind of my whole career. So uh, I was a revenue generator and, and I, I did that. And, and, uh, and I brought the right people in to get to the right spot to where that, that organization now is kind of a well-oiled machine, especially on the business side. Uh, they're not winning championships. They, 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 they're very competitive and a very well-run organization. They haven't done that. Um, and, and that's, I'm sure, soon to come for them. Um, but they have 
presented themselves in a way that it's a fun experience for the fan base and uh, and, and definitely have uh, continued to grow their revenue despite the fact that they're not the New England Patriots, right? Yeah. And so, and that's kind of where I kind of, uh, I don't know, made my name for lack of a better term. Um, I had multiple opportunities throughout our league to run different organizations and, and uh, none of them seemed to be the right fit for me. Um, you know, I, each year I talked to the commissioner or the VP of operations and he'd be like, when are you going to take something? When are you going to go? And, and, and I'll tell you that the Hunt family and the Mavericks treated me so well um, that, that it really had to be the right one. Um, and, and so the, along came uh, Scott Mueller and, and Jeff Dickerson and TJ Period from uh, Spire. And they, they were just like, look, you know, um, they, they, they were just the right guys at the right time and, and offered me an opportunity. And, and again, I was kind of in the re- I was kind of ready. Right. And uh, and it fit. It fit well. And, and I'm really excited. I came up, saw the venue. I'd been to Rapid City Games uh, in the past. I came to the 2011 CHL All-Star Game here. Um, so I'd seen it when it's rocking and a great place, great environment for people to play, one of the toughest places in the league to play at. Um, and I thought, man, I could I could help get this back there and I can really uh, make a difference here and come in and, and you know bring some fresh ideas, a little bit more energy maybe, and get out in the community and do things like this and just really, really show what, um, what this organization can be. And I think that's been one of the main things I've seen from talking to people in this community is, is how much they love and appreciate the team. Um, and maybe the team hasn't shown that love and appreciation back. And I think that's where really where we need to, um, we're really where I want to come in and, and with our staff kind of change some, change some minds on how we're doing things. Yeah. It's a, one thing that just shocked me was Rapid City loves hockey, like more than I would have guessed. Um, Cause when I went to school in Mitchell, South Dakota, it's like basketball, basketball, basketball. That's all they care about. So coming out here, I was thinking more of the same, but people do really enjoy hockey and for the first several years at the rush we're here i was not here but from pictures i've seen and what i've heard we have season ticket holders here in the office they're like this place was like you said it was rocking how do we get that back how do we get people back into hockey here in rapid yeah and i think part of that was it was the place to be right yeah and i think that's that was that's key to the uh, evolution of a team right you know you're here for 11 years and Maybe you're not winning as much as you'd wanted to, and it's it's kind of starting to become you know stale. Um, and so we, we have to understand at this level that uh, you know fifty percent of the people care if we win, right? The other fifty percent just want to come, have fun, be entertained, see a goal, see a fight, those kinds of things. And and fifty might even be high, you know. Like so, what we need to do is while we are putting on a product on the ice that is fun and engaging and, and, and entertaining, and you'll see a fight and a goal and all those things, we need to do that same thing off the ice. And I think that's where you know I'm a I'm a little bit different than probably most of the or the previous GMs. I'm certainly different than the previous GMs in the sense that like I'm. I'm, I'm young, I'm hungry, I'm, I'm getting after it, and, and I'm sometimes more excited when we sell a $50,000 sponsorship than when we win a hockey game, right? Or if we sell four new season tickets to somebody that maybe is coming back and giving us a new try. Those are the exciting pieces and exciting wins for me. Obviously, you get in sports to be competitive and have fun with it and try to win games and all those things, which I feel like are extremely important. But really what, what changes the, the opinion of people on, on your product is the entertainment value that comes associated win or lose you know you win five to one or you lose four to one like it needs to be something that people had a great time at and I think that's where we, we kind of have fallen back a little bit yeah for sure and I know anyone who's just listening to this podcast and me just sitting here talking to you it's 
you can tell there's fresh ideas coming out of what you like in your head. You know what you got in mind without giving away too many secrets. What can we look forward to that we might be shaking up? I know you said a little bit more community engagement and stuff with the players and the fans and giving back to the community and stuff like that. Is there anything else that you'd care to share with us? And then, uh, of course, keep some things under the hat as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like I, the worst secret kept keeper ever, and I'm a terrible <laughs> liar. My wife tells me that all the time. Like, you can see it on my face. I'm, that's why I'm a bad poker player. But, like, I, I come in here, and I'm asking questions. I'm like, hey, have we done this? Hey, have we done this? Hey, have we done You know, and I'm getting a lot of and, – and, and I joke with our group. I'm like, I'm going to just blow all my ideas in year one. You know, <laughs> you need to keep some back. But, but the first thing that obviously comes to mind for me, and it's one of the things that I'm extremely passionate about – is like reflecting on history of an organization and not forgetting like where you came from and, and what made this organization great. And um, we are coming up on the 10 year anniversary of our championship team. Um, and so I wanna make sure that we are celebrating that to the fullest extent. So for our opening uh, weekend, we are going to, um, we're gonna wear the jerseys that they wore when they won the championship. Um, we're gonna put red rally towels on every single chair. We're gonna um, we're gonna sell the place out. We're gonna have prices uh, on our on our tickets from ten years ago. So when people will be able to buy, it'll be the same prices they were able to buy the championship cool. year. Great idea. We're gonna do all things for that weekend to really excite and get excited and celebrate that championship team. We're gonna invite all the guys back. We're gonna do it right. We're gonna fly them in. We're gonna put them up. We're gonna have events with them where they can just hang out with each other and have kind of a reunion. And and then we're gonna have events where they can meet the fans and see things like that. It's not all nailed down who's coming, what's going on, what's happening, but we are going to do that to, uh, uh, to the best of our ability for that weekend. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to continue some of the staples with our military appreciation and our you know, hockey fights, cancer nights and things like that. Um, but we also have some really fun uh, additional ideas that uh, I'm going to keep to myself till I figure out exactly how we're going to do them. But there are um, fun promotional deals. Um, we, we've, you know, I think part of it uh, is the league kind of mandates that we do certain things. So we have to do a Marvel night. We have to do a Nickelodeon. Oh, really? That comes from the ECHL? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. So the Marvel night, the Nickelodeon night, the you know, we have a DC night this year that is all mandated from the league. Uh, like the jerseys that are worn are given back to the league, and then the league sells them. So it's all things through that. Um, so where, we, where I like to get creative outside of the things that the league have is how can I look at the city of Rapid City and what can we do that's something really, really fun, right? Um, you know, whether it's Native American Heritage Night or whether it's Harley Night or whether it's Racing Day or, we, you know, maybe we do something. Um, I don't want to give away all my ideas, but I think we want to do something with the Thrillers, uh, the old basketball team, oh, and maybe sure. the Thrillers for a weekend and see if we can bring back some things there. And we're, you know, we're working through all those processes, but we want to do things uh, where every single Saturday night, there is a theme night that is associated with it where people can come have fun and get engaged. Maybe it's Harry Potter night or Game of Thrones night. Like I want to do things that are all encompassing so that our fan base is coming to the game, ready to watch some hockey, but really excited because it's, you know, we're, we're honoring the, the championship team too, you know? And I think that's key for us. Yeah, for sure. That's real cool. It's kind of pivoting back to, well, pivoting is probably the wrong word if we're talking about hockey. That's more of a basketball term, but pivoting, <laughs> pivoting back to kind of more of the hockey side of things. And you can pull from your experience with the Mavericks and other organizations, but what does your typical day for an ECHL hockey player look like? And let's start with game days and then off days, rest days, whatever you call them. Yeah, game days. Uh, game days are easy. 
they get up, they have a morning skate, they meet with coach, um, you know, kind of talk about the day, talk about the team, maybe go over some film session, uh, and then then they go home, rest, and come back and play a hockey game. Okay, for sure. How do meals and stuff like that work with uh, ECHL players? So um, on game days, uh, for the most part, they, they kind of handle it themselves till post-game. Um, sometimes some teams will bring in stuff before the game, but it's kind of like, hey, go, go figure yourself out, eat however you'd like to. Um, the way you'd like to do it uh, during training camp, we do feed them the entire the whole entire camp. Um, so we provide the meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, every single day. So we know what they're putting in their body, getting ready to go. But every player eats differently, right? You know, yeah. There yeah. might be, you know, I think I read something somewhere down the line that you know Kevin Durant ate, ate cheeseburgers every day before he started playing. You know, as well. Yes, everybody has sure. their own thing, right? So it's like I, I, I same with the hockey players. Um, but we like to provide carbs for them post game so that they're feeling good and ready to go for the morning skate the next day because a lot of times they're playing back to back. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's say away game are mm-hmm. you guys bussing are you guys flying does it depend on how far you got to go if you choose between the two so um the, the the league last year um the colorado eagles which was the closest place for us to play uh they moved up to the american hockey league and so that left us kind of on an island with a void and yeah, so very much so last year we bust everywhere um that is not going to be the case this next year um, we're going to fly places um, particularly like Utah and Boise, you know, where you're taking weekend trips and you're having to drive to Boise 16 hours. Like we've got to take some of that um, off our players' legs because uh, that's a tough that's a tough deal. Um, so we're we're going to work on um, busing some and, and flying some. Uh, the bus is a necessary evil at this level because it's like we could p- go down and play Wichita on a on a Monday. And then you know Kansas City on a on a Wednesday, and then go to Tulsa for two on the weekend, and Allen on the next day, and come back through. Can't you know like? And there's just no way to fly that. So um, it is kind of a necessary evil with the bus. But um, the more that I can take off of our players, and the more flight opportunities we're gonna we're gonna take those. So it's gonna kind of be a mixture of both. Um, the interesting piece about it is like if you really start you know getting sponsors or getting things done right. Um, on the flight side of things, you can make it a very, very uh, uh, similar cost price point than, than busing with per diem and all those other things that come along with the, the day-long trip. The biggest problem as far as travel with flights for teams in our league is gear. Yep. Right. Oh, I'm sure. And so, like the the teams that have Southwest in their market <laughs> are the luckiest teams because it's like, hey, Southwest, here's all our stuff because you don't have baggage fees. Yep. Right. If you have, you know, Delta United, um, Allegiant American, like all the other ones, like it, they they have baggage fees, and you so so you might have to send like a driver with the stuff and you know your trainer or your equipment manager. So um, it, there is there is a little bit of a grind to the season as far as travel is concerned. Um, but once they get there, every single team has a host hotel. They get put up in nice situations there, um, treated great. They have their practice time, and, and then the rest of the time, you know, these guys are professionals. We don't we don't put them in a, a box like maybe you would a, a college basketball player or college hockey player or, you know, college football player where it's like got to be a class, got to do this, got to – you know, they're pros. What, what would I like them to do is go, you know, maybe get a run in or, you know, get take a nap or something like that. What do they probably do? Play video games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yep. so it's just kind of a mixture of both. Yeah. So um, what you said, you said something that reminded me um, for people that aren't aware, um, your scheduling is you'll play teams three times in a row. Sometimes you'll play. I think this season once I know you played uh, the Idaho Steelheads. You played them three times in Idaho and then they came here and played them three times. So six games in a row. Is that just a logistics thing from the league? Is that they're doing that to save money on? whatever so you're not in idaho and then down to utah and then back to idaho 
Yeah, um, we're working on that. Okay. We, we can't. We we it, the three at home. It, it is what it is, right? Because people are coming into Rapid from wherever, and you know you got to get three in, and it's just kind of it is what it is. Like I said, we're on that island. Idaho has the same problem. You know, Newfoundland has the same yeah. problem. Yep. You know, so it's it is like it kind of is what it is. When they come in, they're going to play three here. Um, what we're trying to get away is then sending us directly over there. You know, so that we're not having the same team. And then you're, I mean, we played, we played Utah six in a row when I first got here, took five of six, which I was excited about. Yeah, it was. That was a good series. It was a good start. And we made some fun trades right then, too. But, but like, then six in a row, you're just, everybody's, the tensions are high. I was going to say, and, that has to lead to some fights. Right. It's and this got it. It's not even, it, towards the end of it, it's, you know, they're baiting each other. It's not even really good hockey. And actually, that probably happens like games four and five and something like that. Game six, it's like, okay, let's get out of this. Let's get over mm-hmm. it, right? So the league understands that. The toughest part for the league was they used to do the schedule themselves. Okay. And that is a bear of a challenge man like that is really really hard because you got to understand building availabilities you got to understand like each team and where you can go and how far east and take travel into account for teams and all these things um you know like kansas city wouldn't play on sundays because they didn't want to go up against the chiefs during the nfl season oh yeah there's just like all these things that kind of come to play to and for that matter like in rapid city i don't want to go up against the nfl it's kind of a beast right yeah exactly so so you got to kind of go through all that stuff now they have hired a firm to come in and do the schedule this year um and taking all of those things into consideration so hopefully we have kind of gotten rid of some of those uh you know six and sixes and five and fives um because those are not fun for anybody yeah for sure okay regressing back uh non-game days if say during the season rest day off what do you call it what's the official term off day day? all right what does an off day look like for a player in the echl (laughs) i don't know (laughs) like you know i think they 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 hopefully would go to the gym get a little workout in you know maybe take a nap but again you know you got to understand these guys are 21 to to 32 year old guys you know some some are a little bit older than that but um you know, probably go play golf or they go, you know, have some drinks or they go run around town or do whatever they want to do. You know, okay. that's kind of a day for them to relax. Just like, you know, you and I would have a Saturday and Sunday off. You know, that's kind of their off day because they're usually playing on those dates. Um, as far as a day that they're supposed to go to work, it's like, hey, you got practice at this time. You know, you need to be there. You probably have a workout afterwards it's scheduled. You know, it's a work day. And, uh, and you know, each coach kind of has their own philosophy on, hey, my guys look tired. They need a couple days off. You know, all these different things. The union also has their policies on a lot of these things. Uh, there's a union break every year where guys get off. We also have a holiday break. You know, we do things to, to make sure the guys are, are fresh. Um, but to, to, to your point, if they're busing everywhere and then they're getting back, like they need some guy time and just yes, some time to do. themselves. Yeah, so, sure. you know, I, I, I am not ever going to be a guy that, you know, I'm, I was young once. I think I still sort of am young that, that is going to monitor what they're doing on their day offs. Go have fun. Um, you know, do whatever you want to do. Don't get in trouble and yes. call it good, right? Yeah, for sure. Just for like sure. your mom or dad would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, of course, there are some very glamorous sides to playing professional sports. You get to play in front of arenas of people and do the thing you love. And I'm sure there's some not so glamorous sides to playing professional sports at every level. Can you touch on one or two of each? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I will tell you about the Hockey Players Union um, is they have done a great job of, uh, putting these people, the, these kids in a great spot to succeed. 
And um, I think you probably, if, if people are sports fans here, they've kind of probably seen how Major League Baseball has not done that for a lot of the minor league players. Um, you know, these kids are having to find their own apartments. It's five and six guys in one apartment with two bedrooms. Like, it's just they're piling on each other just because they love the game so much they're kind of taking advantage of that. Um, where the Major League Baseball Players Union does such an amazing job for the Major League Baseball players, they, they, they leave the minor league guys out kind of hanging out to dry. That is the complete opposite um, in, in hockey. These guys are, um, they come in, we, we handle their housing, we handle their utilities, we handle it. I mean, we handle everything, right? During training camp, every meal is taken care of. When they're on the road, per diem is taken care of. Their hotel is taken care of. Like, it, it is a, it is a, um, it's a pretty nice situation for them. You can bring your skates and your, you know, and your helmet and call it good and be, be ready to roll for the whole year. We provide equipment, we provide gear, we provide like all these things for the players. So um, the, the, the nice side for them is they are treated like pros. The, the goal is to have a, a place where they, you know, they feel like it, it doesn't transition much from the ECHL to the American League to even the NHL. And they can feel that transition. Obviously, your paycheck gets a little bit bigger, but yes. but your ability to, to to feel like a pro is is very important for us. Uh, so so I think to your point, like while you're a double A hockey player uh, in the ECHL, I think you're taken care of pretty pretty well. I think the negative piece of it, and, and every guy will tell you, is travel, right? These guys aren't getting on charters and, you know, drinking mimosas after a win on a Sunday morning. Like they're they're getting on bus rides that are not always the most fun to go play in places that a lot of times have a lot of snow and it's just kind of yes. you know it's just kind of a grind um a lot of the travel is and that would probably be the most the ne- most negative piece of it that i would see um and also you know like th- these guys love the sport so much and and uh you know it, when you're kind of put on an island with just your team and you're away from your family and you're away from some of that stuff you know it's hard when things aren't always going great right when you're losing games it can kind of snowball or maybe you miss your girlfriend or what, whatever those are kind of some of the negative pieces to it is it's just like they, they kind of get put on an island and, and when things don't always go great it's like who do i turn to what do i do um especially when you're kind of a little bit younger um it, it, and that's why you need good veteran leadership that's why we want to put in place a, a good solid coaching staff training staff equipment manager um you know it's why myself as a president i want to be very flexible for the guys help them out you know do things that need need a home-cooked meal we have a good booster club you know we all want to be you know i want to i want to create a culture here of family and uh, i think that's one of the things that was done really well with the chiefs and, and done really well with the kansas city mavericks is just a a, a, a ability to ask anybody to do anything it's like hey Todd, I know you're the president, but will you go pull that down for us? Or will you go do this? Or will you take this, drop this donation request off? Will you, like, I want to foster an ability to be like, hey, could you watch my dog this weekend? I got to go out of town and I need some help. Like a, a family style of, uh, environment. And, and I think um, if that doesn't happen with a team, you, you're always going to have a little bit of trouble. Yeah, it's, culture is huge. And you hear it from all the great programs. It's like culture is what drives success. And if you don't have a good culture and people aren't going to play for each other, all that good stuff, you right. know? All right, so last year we were young, like super-duper young, like something like 14 rookies on the team. Most cases people would be like, inexperience is bad, it's mm-hmm. hurtful. Is that the same in the ECHL, or is it better to have like young guys, chips on their shoulder, coming in with something to prove, rather than maybe an older guy, like you said, with the CHL kind of end of their career, maybe not as fiery? Or is it just like all other sports everywhere where it's good to have a mix? Yeah, so our league, the way the ECHL is set up is it's set up where you can only have four veterans on your team. Oh, really? Yeah, and so there's a there's a game limit of how many games professionally they can have played to become a veteran, right? So uh, 
you know, and, and that doesn't include some of the other leagues. So if you go over and play overseas for a couple of years, that that isn't included in your numbers. So you can have some older guys and do, do a mixture. Um, I think for us, where we were at last year, and I think everybody saw this in the trades that we made, was we needed to get younger. We needed a different culture. We needed to um, have a different group that we could say, this is how we're going to do things now. And, and, um, and a lot of those guys uh, came in with a chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, Alex Rauder is a great example. Like he, he came in and was and, and is a great goal scorer. He scored a lot of goals for us towards the end of the year, but wasn't getting a chance where he was at, right? And so he came in saying, "Well, now I'm going to play on the first line, and I'm going to get a lot of opportunities. Now, time to make my the best out of it, right?" And so, you know, when you have that many rookies, a lot of times you can start the season off in a poor situation, right? What we tried to do was end the season with those guys, so that now we have our protected list and doing all those things going into the summer where we're, we're making some decisions. Um, now, now we can have those players ready to roll going into year two in our system, know what know what Rapid City is all about, know what I'm all about, know what Coach is all about, and kind of move forward. So a lot of that was, well, it was fun to give a really good scare to the Mavericks and have a nice little playoff push towards the end of it. And, and heck, man, I was I was pumped, came in, we, they won five of six, and then we won nine, uh, went nine, four, zero, and one in, in, in our, you know, our last, the whole time I was here. So I guess that would have been our last 14. So that's fun. Um, but at the end of the day, it was it was really good to have those guys experience the playoff push, experience our culture, experience our city, experience everything, and say, okay, things are changing here, and, and we're going to get better. So um, n- not all the time would I like to have a team of fourteen rookies, you know. And I think we ended the season with even more than that. But um, you know, but at the same time, I do love the love what we did last year and the reasons why we did it. Yeah, it's a like you said, we made a, a good playoff push towards the end of the season, gave the Mavericks a little bit of a scare. I know it was like. A little logistically we needed some mathematical help from them because yeah. uh, we played more games than they had at like that end of the last two weeks of the season um, but it was it was a really good finish to the season what can people going into next year look forward to seeing on the ice for the rush I know you say we're younger we're faster is there any other type of changes that we're going to be seeing going forward uh, you know, on the ice, I think the, the the really cool thing is just for me coming in from a different perspective is is there's a lot of moves happening in our league right now. A lot of coaches being let go, a lot of things being moved on, and and I think you know for once for our first time in probably four years, we're walking into a season with some stability, right? We're walking in with a, a, a coaching staff that is, knows each other. Um, you know, uh, Tetsi is now and is going into his third season. He's more comfortable. He's more familiar. He knows more people in the league. He's doing some things around right way um and i and i i'm comfortable with our um you know there was a time i think with our roster that maybe we didn't even have a line that would have um that would have been a front line in anywhere um in our division for sure and 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 towards the end of last season i think our coaching staff put together a line that would have been rivaling one of the best leagues in our division or lines in our division which is which is great which is what what i wanted to see from him and i think everybody can say this like he put his you know put himself on the on the line he traded away a guy that was here 10 years he yep. tried, yeah like, i mean sure. he we, we we made some decisions and, and he made some decisions that really hurt him and were tough um and and it was it showed a lot of growth in him and and i think I think we're lucky to have him as a leader, and I think we're lucky to, to be going into next season with some stability and excitement. Uh, as far as on the ice, you know, I, I can't speak to that yet because we, we have to find out who's coming back, who's getting called up, who's, you know, obviously um, an important piece of that is having good goaltending, which we had last year. And, very, and very Adam much and, so. And Adam was, yeah. yeah, really good. 
and he's a great guy, great community guy. He played with us in uh, in Kansas City. I, a quick story. I, I and before and I knew Adam, um, but um, the the Rush were playing in Kansas City. Uh, we were sold out. I was working for the Mavericks at the time. We were sold out. Um, he, Adam had forgot to leave tickets for his parents. Oh, really? <laughs> and so his dad, mom, grandma, like all, thirteen people are there, you know. And so uh, he, he comes up and he's like, "Hey, man, can you can you help out?" Um, I, is there anything you can do, right? And I'm like, we're sold out. But I had a suite, so I go talk to his mom and dad, and I take him and I put him up in a suite, and um, and they had a blast, right? They had a great time. Um, I talked to him after the game. I talked to him for a little bit before there. Uh, they they loved it. They left. All was good. Um, Adam's mom and dad sent a check to the Mavericks uh, for 500 bucks to donate to a local charity of our choice, and I had never seen that in my life, right? And I was just like, man, that shows like what kind of family. And this was, I wasn't even, you know, I'd had conversations with the Rush, but it wasn't working for them or, you know, it wasn't even going yep. in that direction. I just thought to myself, this is a good kid and a good family and, and an awesome ambassador for them, right? So we donated that money in Kansas City to Warriors Hockey, which is a veterans uh, hockey program, uh, which is, is a really neat thing. It's out of Minnesota, actually. Um, and, and, and so um, as we were donating it, I sent, um, Ms. Carlson, all this different information, like on on what the money went towards and how the program worked, and just a bunch of pictures from the game that they had, and all these things, and and then uh, talked to her for a little while, and just uh, developed a nice relationship, and then uh, and I just had never seen anything like that from a, and I just thought it was a really a really cool story, uh, and it's a testament like to the kind of guys that our coach is bringing in, and and uh, we had a season ticket holder pass away um, uh, not too long ago, kind of unexpectedly, and and we went to the funeral, and coaches there talking to everybody and doing things the right way. And, and whether we're winning or losing on the ice, that, that goes a long way with me. Yeah, oh, and, absolutely. And, I, and I'm, like, super proud of, of the organization, uh, especially on the hockey side of things. Uh, when I when I text uh, Mrs. Carlson and told her I was taking this job, you know, she was ecstatic, and it was a great conversation. And, I, you know, I think I kind of have lifelong friends in them because of their generosity, right? And so I think that's, that's one of the things that I kind of look back on this organization and say, what are we going to do on the ice? It's like, I hope we're going to bring in the right people that are going to do the right things in our community that are also going to win hockey games. And I think we got the right people in place to do that. And and we're going to try every possible way we can to make those things happen. Um, as far as schemes are concerned, I'll let you ask Coach on that. Sounds things, good. Sounds know? good. I always tell the Todd in our office, who's a huge Rush fan, season ticket holder, all that good stuff. I'm like, they need to sign. Well, Carlson, I believe, is from Edina, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I was like, they need to sign more Minnesotans. That's the key. <laughs> and I always just rib him with that. Um, but I've noticed throughout this whole conversation, I continue to use, which would be fitting for you, but I continue to use the word we when I refer to the rush. Why is it that sports fans is like has no affiliate? Like I have no connection to the rush. I'm just like a fan. But we use the term we as if we are like a part of it. What, what do you think that like? Why is what's the reasoning for that? You know, I absolutely love it. I love it, and I think it's it's because everybody has their own piece in it, and it it's, it's whether you went to one game or you met one guy or you met me now, like you feel like you're a part of it, and and that's how that's how you need your fan base to react and feel, and and, and otherwise you're not doing it right. And so um, we 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 is is definitely the way I like to like to talk, and I like for people to talk, and I even find myself saying we about the Chiefs and about like people I've worked for. And the, we yep. did this and we did that, and because because you were a part of it, right? And 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 I and I want that feeling, and I want that fandom um, from all of our season ticket holders. And I think one of the things that I've tried to say is like 
look, I, I'm I'm maybe not like our other people. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be out in front of you. If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I'm a terrible liar, like I said <laughs> earlier. So it's like, hey, you know, we maybe haven't done some things right. We're going to try to fix it. And we're probably going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes, no doubt. But you know, when I make a mistake, I'm going to own up to it, and I'm going to stand there and be like, look, I'm sorry. Like we didn't do it. We didn't do this well enough. We made mistakes here. You know, how can I fix it? Like, let's look forward. And and I think that's across the board with our sponsors, with our season ticket holders, with our community partners, all the things that maybe we haven't done as good a job as we should have. Uh, winning on the ice, all those things. It's like, look, we, we're owning up to it. We understand. I understand that, like, you know, people maybe are skeptical hearing me talk because they've heard it three times before. And all I can do is say, like, look, come talk to me. Come see me. Come, come, come. Uh, you know, we as a community and as an organization, um, you know, we are going to get to the next step. Right. And I think, uh, you know, part of what, what you're kind of saying with we is, is, is a little bit the rush need this community more than maybe this community needs the rush. And, and when I say that, it's like, hey, look. I don't. I don't need you guys to financially do this or financially that. But I. But I'd love for you guys to support us, right? And that's like, hey, I met Todd and he was great and he was cool and you know we had a good conversation. Maybe I'll go to a game next year. I think they're going in the right direction. I think they're doing this, and and I think that is where I. I just really want to get as involved in the community as we possibly can. Um, you know, going to events, whether I'm at the dirt track race on Friday or I'm at Cadillac Jacks on Saturday or, I'm, you know, wherever I'm at. Like, I just want to be uh, approachable and, and on, on top of things. And I think that's the goal for our entire staff as well. Absolutely. Well, I suppose as we wrap up here, is there anything that we didn't touch on that's like super important that we missed or anything that you want to share? Maybe not relating to hockey at all, but anything that I missed. No, I mean, I, 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 I just moved here, so it's kind of fun. I lived in the Alex Johnson for about a month and a half, which was an interesting thing. It's like kind of trying to figure out where you fit in in the world on that. And uh, we're just now buying a house uh, on West Boulevard. So, like, I am I'm committed to the, this community, and, and I'm bringing in people. We brought in a vice president of ticket sales that is a, a revenue-generating gener- machine. He worked in NASCAR. I worked with him at the Mavericks. He worked at the Sprint Center. worked in minor league baseball. Like, he knows his stuff. We're going to do things right. Um, we're, we're here to stay. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a big piece is like, oh, this new ownership group came in and they're going to move the team. They're going to do any of that stuff. Not the case. Otherwise, they're leaving me hanging out to dry, too, you know. <laughs> yep. So we, we are coming here because we believe in this community. Uh, I am coming here because I believe in this community and, and I believe in this team. And I think, you know, in closing, it's just like give us a chance, you know, give us a chance. Let us do things the right way. Uh, let us, you know, maybe rebuild some relationships that we need to, and let us con- continue to grow some that we already are doing a good job with. And, uh, and, and without, you know, without the fan base and the, the sponsors and the community um, and being able to do things like this, I, I don't think we're, we're going to be sustainable. And, and so we need to be as involved as we possibly can. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think anyone that I said listens to this is you can tell it comes from a place of authenticity. It's, it's very real. It's very true. Um, and I gotta say, I moved here less than a year ago now, or no, about a year ago at the time of this recording. And uh, I went to my first two or three rush games this year, and I didn't really know what to expect, you know, going into it. You hear a variety of different things. Um, more so, I'd say I was almost expecting like a lot of fights, a lot of almost goon, like the hockey players would say goon. It's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a fight, it's hockey, so of course there's gonna be a fight here or there. I think one game I went to, there was no fight, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's high level hockey. It's not watered down. It's good. Of course, it's not what you see in the NHL because those are the best of the best in the world. But it's high level hockey. It's professional hockey. It's a ton of fun. Well, thank you for saying that. I, and that to that point, we are probably one of the best uh, 
three leagues in the world, you know, um, you know, the KHL in Russia can kind of maybe maybe they're there, but like the ECHL is a, a, a to your point, high quality hockey, and, and even put that in perspective, which I had to do a lot in Kansas City. It's like the MLS, you know, Major League Soccer is probably what the twelfth best league if, in the world, yeah, if, if that, that, yeah, you know, and so you're, you're watching guys at the MLS level that you're like, oh man, these these guys are Major League Soccer, but but really in the sport in the world, like you're watching the guys over here in the ECHL that are better in the world than these guys over in Major League Soccer. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting way to look at it um, and, and know that, like, these guys have played in the Olympics. You know, we had a guy on, on the Mavericks that went on and played for Norway in the Olympics that same year he was playing in our league. You know, they go on to do different things. They're very engaged, and they go on to play in the NHL. I think there's uh, somewhere around 700 guys that are alumni from the ECHL that have played in the NHL. Really? That number That's a crazy number. Yeah. I mean, the South Carolina, just this year, um, their goaltender, they got knocked out of the playoffs. Their goaltender went up and was the, the third-string goaltender for the Capitals. Went straight from the ECHL to the NHL this year. Like, yeah. So you watch this guy, and he could have been playing in the Stanley Cup Finals for all you know. Yeah. You know, and I think those are just – that's it's an interesting way to look at, at the sport, and, and I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, no, it's very cool. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys.